Good morning, everyone. Good morning. Happy fall. Uh, please join with me in our responsive call to worship that you'll find in your bulletins. On this World Communion Sunday, as we join with Christians from all over the world who are celebrating this day together, we honor and lift up our unity as being one in Christ, one with God, and one with all of humanity, as we embrace all cultures, languages, and races. May we celebrate our unity as we share in our call to worship, after which we will hear from several, several of our church members who will be sharing the passage from 2 Corinthians 13 in their own cultural language. United, United by God, God in love and kindness, Though we may have arrived at God's banquet table by, ha by having traveled many different paths, and though we may sit at the different seats at God's table, therefore combining us different points of view. And though the languages of our brothers and sisters across the globe differ in rhythm and sound, Good morning. Good morning. For several years, I've, I've read this passage in Russian, and this year, I've asked Paul if I could read it in Ukrainian. Uh, my family that is Russian lived in Ukraine. Um, and escaped during the revolution. So many people, like many people, have families and ties in both countries. Blachodat Hospoda Nashava Yesusa Christa, Ilubov Boha Yatsa, Iprichasti Svatova Duha, Nechai Budi Sasvema Vami. Amen. If you allow me, I would like to ask for a moment of silence to lift our hearts in prayer for the people of the Ukraine and also those affected by this tragic conflict in Russia. Now in French. Que la grâce du Seigneur Jésus-Christ, l'amour de Dieu et la communion du Saint-Esprit soient avec vous. Hola, buenas. 
I'd like to say that this is not my own cultural language, but I'm very honored to share this scripture with you in Spanish. Y que el amor de Dios, la gracia de Señor Jesús Cristo, y la comunión de Espíritu Santo, sean con todos de nosotros. Gracias. Die Gnade des Herrn Jesus Christus und die Liebe Gottes und der Kameradschaft des Heiligen Geistes seien mit Ihnen allen. Az Úrnak, a Krisztusnak, Jézus kegyelme, az Istennek szeretete és a Szent Szellem közössége legyen minnyájatok. Oria fe Jesu Christi Olua ati fe Olorun ati emi mimo ki wa pe gbogbo yin amen Please join with me in prayer We are reminded today that your words echo across the globe in different languages with different cadences in different sanctuaries, with different rhythms, in different people, with different trials. We're also reminded today that though the sounds and flavors of your worship are unique, you and your message are universal. You say to us and to all your people, come, you who are weak and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. So we ask you, O Lord, to be our rest, that which we yearn for. You say to us, Lord, that you are the bread of life, that whoever comes to you will never be hungry. So we ask you, Lord, to be our sustenance, that which we hunger for. You say to us, Lord, that you are a spring of water welling up to eternal life, that whoever comes to you will never thirst. So we ask you, Lord, to be our spring of eternal life, that which we thirst for. We thank you, Lord, that we as disparate people across the globe have these things in common. Rest, the bread, and the cup. Let us be filled with your presence as we join in this Holy Communion, virtually, in spirit, and at last, here in person. Let us rest, Lord, this Sunday and each and every Sunday in your words as we know them and in your communion as we taste it. We ask this in the name of Jesus Christ, who taught us to say, to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread 
and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. be seated. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to worship here at Southport Congregational Church. It is World Communion Sunday, which is why we have this beautiful decor of breads from around the world why we are so grateful to our church members who come from all parts of the world to um, and share with us their native language. Uh, it is a beautiful day. It is a day recognized by Christians all throughout the world. And so we are not only worshiping here today with one another, but with Christians throughout the world recognizing the same day of our unity in Christ. Um, because we're Southport Congregational Church, and sometimes we like to do things our own way, we have declared um, October Mental Health Awareness Month here, um, and we are kicking it off today with Dr. Eric Mayville and Dr. Marnie White. They are uh, two extraordinarily um, well-educated and very um, successful psychologists, uh, Yale professors, and they are going to kick us off today with mental health for uh, infants and toddlers. And it seems like a strange possible um, type of topic, but I promise you uh, it is not. Uh, mental health begins at the earliest stages. And so we invite you to go to the library after you get a cup of coffee and a snack to join them with that. To join them in that, there will be childcare. So if you have younger children down in room five, you can take them there. Uh, and then next, month, uh, next week, Beth Santa, who is currently getting her um, uh, social work degree in social work and counseling, will join me, and we will be doing mental health best practices for elementary age children and their parents. Uh, and then the next week, we have Amy Common, who is a licensed uh, social worker also and has her own private practice where she focuses on teens and their mental health. So she will be talking about that age group and then we're concluding it with this great second hour um, on October 23rd with Dr. Lisa Miller. We had her here before when she wrote her first book, The Spiritual Child. She's now written a second book, The Awakened Brain, uh, which is really, I, I speed read it. It's really chock full of some fabulous, fabulous thoughts and things. So be sure to join us for all of those. Uh, it's, a, it's a great month to to make sure that we are on a track towards good mental health. 
Today in church school, we also will be celebrating the Sacrament of Communion here at Southport Congregational Church. We have an open table uh, for all of God's children. Um, so we will be talking, I will be talking with the kids about what communion is and what it isn't. And um, there may or may not be a happy meal involved. I'll just say that. Um, today, and I'm going to read right out of this announcement that's in your bulletin because it's great. Um, bring your four-legged, finned, winged, furry, feathered, scaly friends to Julianne's uh, celebration of the blessing of the animals today at uh, 3 p.m. right out in the courtyard, weather permitting. If not, we'll have them in, in Fellowship Hall here. Um, and the junior uh, middle school youth group will be helping uh, put that on. So um, we thank them for, for their participation. Um, also, uh, fun, another fun event, Oktoberfest. Um, I'm, I'm going to call them out because in my um, mailbox this week arrived Lederhosen and a shirt. So someone's getting all ready for Oktoberfest. <laughs> so if you didn't think you were really interested in coming just to Oktoberfest, you should come for that. I'm pretty sure. Uh, so our fellowship committee is putting that on um, on Friday night, October 14th. If you could RSVP to let us know that you're coming, that would be great. Um, also, if you are interested in making Southport Congregational Church your spiritual home, we are having a meeting on Sunday, October 23rd at 4 p.m. in the library um, to welcome you and to talk about what it means to be a member here at Southport Congregational. And then on November 6th, we'll be taking new members in. Also coming up, it's October. That means the holidays are upon us. October 11th, you're going to receive an email for our holiday food drives. We combine both our Thanksgiving baskets and our Christmas baskets into that one um, sign up. So please be sure to help us out with that so that we can ease the stress of food uh, iniquity in our, some of our people um, during the holidays would be great. Um, Rooms of View tickets are on sale. Uh, there's all sorts of other really important things in your bulletin. Um, I forgot to ask you to take your register, friendship register out and sign it so you can do that now um, as we get ready to um, join in, our, in our, um, our next hymn. And I will invite all the children to come with me into the chapel.
morning, church. As we settle in uh, to this time of prayer and meditation, I do ask you to keep uh, the following people in your minds and your hearts and your spirits. We pray, offer prayers for Irene Santa, who's undergoing surgery tomorrow. We pray for healing, a quick recovery, and absolutely no downtime in her unwavering sense of humor. Prayers of healing for a church member who is badly injured after suffering a fall, and for my own adopted grandmother who also suffered a fall this week. We also pray for all those going through major life transitions, that God may give them strength and courage, peace and discernment as they enter into the unknown. We pray for Carter Yule, who's healing from a surgery, and we thank God for healing that comes through our community, for our, of our wonderful medical community, and just that Carter may continue to be the rock star that he is. So too do we pray for all those healing from recent surgeries, and for all those continuing treatment for various forms of cancer and chemotherapy. We offer prayers for all those affected by the tropical storm in Florida, and we also offer prayers for all those joined with us in communion today, all those Christians around the world who take the bread and the cup, and especially for those who are in areas of conflict, especially those in Ukraine and Russia. And finally, we offer prayers of celebration for the wedding that Laura performed yesterday for the happy couple. May God continue to bless their union. And so with all of these prayers in our hearts and minds, let us bring them forth to the Lord. Our Lord of love, who is not just above, but is around us and within us, we pray this morning that you empty us of all that is not you, all the noise, all the anxiety, the pressure, the news stream, all that we have not done, all that we have left to do, we now place in your hands. Help us now, Lord, to feel you here. Help us to feel our burdens removed, if even just for a moment. And in this empty space, Lord, in that cave within our souls and our subconscious that you have cleared, may you light a burning bush. May you set something inside of us aflame, a flame which neither destroys nor is consumed, a light which cannot be hidden, cannot be dimmed, a light which everyone can see, a warmth which everyone can feel, a true faith passion and love for your world and your people. For the world, Lord, oh, how it needs your light. A light that we cannot make artificially through false smiles or polite conversation. A light which can acknowledge darkness without being overcome. For there is darkness. Wars rage and we pray that they end. Cells continue to mutate and we pray that they are healed. The planet continues to heat up and we pray it is honored. Inequality rises while we pray for equality. Stomachs continue to grumble in hunger and we pray that you feed them. That though we continue to grumble and disagree, debate and fight, Lord, we find no footing upon which to stand but you. 
For even when everything seems bleak, you, Lord, give us hope. You provide a light within us, around us, a glimmer in the eye of everyone we know, because everyone we know and everyone we do not know is made in your image, in your light. And so we are given this assurance that all will be well. So long as there is light, so long as there is mourning, we ask that you deliver us, that your will be done, that your kingdom continue to come, and that we may delight in the warmth that emanates from this truth. We pray this in Jesus' name, our guide, our strength, our holy fire. Amen. And as we enter into our time of generosity, I will remind you that though today is also World Communion Sunday, it is also the feast day, or the day on which we celebrate the Saint Francis of Assisi, who famously took up a vow of poverty, who gave away all of his possessions and started a new order where he could live for equality, live for peace, for justice. He's not just a patron saint of animals, he also was a saint for the poor and for the poor in spirit. And his words remind us that though you cannot abandon all your possessions, at least you can change your attitude about them. All receiving separates you from others. All giving unites you to others. So may we be united now in our giving.
You can see in your bulletin that we have just a whole lot of scripture in there and some information. Um, we are going to be uh, going through that and talking about that um, as a part of the message. And <clears throat> with this day being Worldwide Communion Sunday, as we focus on the universality of God's love, it's also a perfect time for us to focus on the universality of our faith as well. And these are two things that I believe are we are desperately in need of in our world and the situation that we're in today with so many different things, world that is filled with so many divisions and so much us against them mentality, which as we will see is the polar opposite of our faith. Our faith whose emphasis right from the very beginning, which is a beautiful thing, literally from the very first book in the Bible, from Genesis, which actually means beginning, right off the bat tells us that God created all of humanity in God's image. So not just some, not just people who look like us or believe like us, and not just people in our own country, or people who may have the same education, or speak the same language, or have the same citizenship. But we're told right from the start of our faith, 2,500 years before Jesus, that God created all of humanity in God's own image. And so, in fact, from that moment, we're all united. We're all one in God. And any divisions that have occurred since then have been created by us. That's on us. That's not God. In God, we are one. And another beautiful thing is that this is also part of the core understandings of many of our major global faiths as well. It's true for Christianity. It's true in Judaism, Hinduism, Islam. Taoism, Confucianism, Jainism, you know, Buddhism, which doesn't consider itself a religion, it's not, uh, it's a philosophy, it's a way of living, but that's the message there also, that we're all one. And the ethic, there's an ethic that flows out of that, it's not just a nice thought. The ethic that flows out of this is that because we're all one, you say, therefore what? Well, therefore, we would naturally love one another and care for one another, right? And one of the things that I love about our world, too, is that adding to the list of major faiths that recognize our oneness and our interconnectedness is also now the field of science as well. Quantum physics, you know that I like to talk about that sometimes. Starting with the Big Bang, they recognize we all came from the one source. 
And as such, we are all interconnected that way too. That was actually proven in 1997, Hadron Collider. And on the quantum level of which we are all part, makes up everything who we are, that every piece of matter in the quantum level is instantaneously connected from one end of the universe to the other. That's pretty cool. Edgar Mitchell, <clears throat> in the field of, of science, and he was one uh, name you maybe all recognized, hopefully. But one of the first astronauts to see the Earth from outer space. And this was an experience that blew his mind. It blew his mind. And, and when he came back, and during that moment, he was transformed. It was an epiphany. So he said this describing his experience from Apollo 14. He, he wrote, when looking at the Earth and seeing this blue and white planet floating there, set in the background of very deep black velvety cosmos. Seeing, rather knowing for sure, that there was a purposefulness of flow, of energy, of time, of space in the cosmos. That it was beyond man's rational ability to understand and suddenly, he said, there was a very deep gut feeling that something was different. And on the return trip home, gazing through 240,000 miles of space towards the stars and the planet from which I had come, he wrote, I suddenly experienced the universe as intelligent, loving, harmonious. You develop an instant global consciousness, he said. A people orientation. And an intense dissatisfaction with the state of the world. And a compulsion, he wrote, to do something about it. From out there on the moon, he said, international politics looks so petty. You want to grab a politician by the scruff of the neck and drag him a quarter of a million miles out and say, look at that, you blankety-blank. End quote. <laughs> the big blue marble doesn't have any dividing boundaries between human beings. Those are things that we've created, not to same thing that the world's major religions have been saying for thousands of years. I feel your pain. <laughs> I'm sorry. So we've been saying this. It's right, right on Taylor Swift. So we've been saying this collectively for thousands and thousands of years, but now comes the confession. Because even though all the major world religions have been saying this about our oneness, that this is the core of our faith for thousands of years, 
we've actually failed at doing a better job of living it. And we know that. So while the understanding part is there, don't blame the faiths for falling short. That's on us. That's on the people. Because while it seems like this is a universal understanding, and even it's, though it's there in all the major faiths, it's there in our science, it definitely has not been there, as we know in the heart of our politics. I'm not just talking about us, I'm talking about everybody. Our voting. It hasn't been at the heart of our national and international powers and principalities. All of us. It isn't at the heart of our global environmental policy around the world. Even though it's in all major religions, I don't think this message is even in the heart of our educational system. And certainly not in our media, and television, music, movies. So this message of love and unity, seemingly universal, seemingly common sense, is actually far from it. Because while our faith says one thing, human beings, our base instinct, what is our base instinct? We know our base instinct. Our base instinct is to gather all the nuts for ourselves and then keep them and protect our tribe. And you know what? As a tribal group, we do a great job at, 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 at training each other to name and to dissect and to divide ourselves from each other. Why? In order to protect our tribe. You're in, I'm out. You're part of my tribe, you're part of my tribe, you're not. So we have all over the place. We have my team and we have your team. We have who's at the top of the class and then who's next and then who's next after that. We have my political party and we have your political party. And as we all know, mine is all right and yours is stupid. Yours is all wrong, whatever that is. We have my country and we have your country. We have my school versus your school. We have my company versus your company. And you can almost hear the primitive grunting and scratching and chest beating and all of this in the background, right? And let's not cut ourselves. Even with the most refined and sophisticated of us, we even have subtle little tribal cues of my fashion sense and your fashion sense. That is so last season. <laughs> Sophisticated grunting and scratching. <laughs> Just other ways to separate and divide. So many ways of creating us and them. Right? So, what do we do? With some of us, we return to our faiths again and again as we are now to try again and we remember and we reestablish our spiritual priorities and we go, ah, that's right, ah, yes, that's right. Now I remember, God created humanity. God didn't create this humanity and that humanity. And you know, I was thinking about this and I was thinking about last Sunday, Mission Sunday, 
Mission Sunday. Now, those of you who were there, great, you'll get those. Those of you who weren't there, I really highly recommend go back on, on the YouTube channel and, and go watch it. Go watch it. Because as we celebrated Mission Sunday, we got to spend some just, just really exquisite face-to-face -face time with our mission partners. Um, and th those are the people who we get to be in partnership with that do so much to help so many tens of thousands who we get to connect with through our church, through our giving, through our love, who you connect with. And this is such a beautiful expression of what humanity, what we can be as humanity at our best, right? This is who we are at our best. And what a wonderful expression, too, of our, of our faith. This is what our faith looks like when we are at our best, as God envisions. And I was thinking, you know, it's like our scripture passages from today were just, just lifted up off of the page and, and came to light. Those passages, the passage that says, everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. And whoever does not love does not know God. And it's how we actually love or not that connects us with God and with each other. passage that says God is love. Wow, that's simple. That's universal. Whoever lives in love lives in God. Whoever. Whoever. We too quickly gloss over that word, whoever. We go, whoever? Really? Whoever? lives in love, lives in God, and God in them, like, whoever, whoever, like, like, you mean, like, like Buddhists and Muslims and, and, and non-believers? says whoever. Whereas Jesus said it slight, in slightly different words, he said, I, I am in my Father, I'm in God, my Father's in me, God's in me, love is in me, I am in you. Part of it all is love. So, if God is love, and Christ is love, because God and Christ are one, I and my Father are one, said Jesus. What then do you think he's saying and meaning in that very first passage of Scripture? That we have there in the bulletin. This passage of scripture that has been so misused and abused and misunderstood for centuries, not to unite us, but often used to judge others and used as a spiritual stick and to place ourselves at the exclusive best, and to place others as less than, or even worse, sometimes, oftentimes, inconsequential. And this has caused wars, and this has caused conquest, and this has caused oppression. And so you go, is that what Jesus had in mind? When, you know, with God as love, and whoever 
loves lives in God and God lives in them? So if God is love and Christ is love, and because God and Christ is, are one, what is he saying here? When he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one gets to the Father but by me. Because for decades, I heard that and I go, man, you know, that sounds awfully exclusive. Awfully exclusionary. One right way, superior to all others. What did he mean by those words? Not what did St. Paul, how did St. Paul interpret these words later? Not how did the Christian church interpret them and use them over the centuries for various reasons? But what did Jesus, who had a certain orientation, mean by those words. And how do we know? Well, thankfully, you know, when you take a minute to try to understand his thoughts and his words, you find that the meaning is really unambiguous. When we take a moment to consider how Jesus understood himself, how he understood God, and what I mean by that is when Jesus uses the word I, we all use the word I, but when he used the word I to describe himself as in I am the way, what does he mean by I? We have to understand how he understood himself. Compared to, let's say when you and I use that word I and me, we are thinking and referring to all sorts of things, describing ourselves in certain ways. So that's one thing to consider. The other thing is how do you understand God? Fortunately for us, we have all this information right there. You have this right here in your scripture. And you actually have a summary of this at the bottom of the first section. And it goes like this. To begin with, when Jesus thought of himself, what did he identify with? Things that we do, physical attributes, Tall, handsome, athletic, overweight? Did he think of his accomplishments like we do? How successful he was? His trophies, business successes, financial status? Did he think of himself in terms of his alma mater? You know, first in class of the year 0018. You know, did he personally identify with, with his birth location? When Jesus of Nazareth, we use this term. The interesting thing is that, you know what, other people refer to him as this, Jesus of Nazareth. He never referred to himself with any of these things. Other people did, and other people did, just like the same, you know, Jesus, son of Joseph. So they could have certain descriptors to know, are we talking about the same person here? Is that Jesus of Nazareth, son of Mary, son of Joseph? He never referred to himself as this. Why? Because that's not how he thought of himself. As far as that goes, he didn't even identify with his family of origin. That's true. Somebody <clears throat> said to him when he was in Capernaum, the house was crowded on the outside, and somebody said, Jesus, your mother, your brothers, and your sisters are outside there waiting for you. And he said, 
Who are my mother and brother and, and, and sisters? He said, anyone who does the will of God is my mother and brother and sister. That's what he identified with. One, being a child of God. Two, being a follower of God. Three, being one with God, I and my father are one. Very, very different than how we think of ourselves and how we use the word I. So that's why we have misunderstood. That's We think in terms of what we identify with and project that onto him and go, well, he must be referring to that then too. We need to listen to what he says. We think in terms of our personal history, what makes us unique, what differentiates us from others. Are we better or are we worse? How's our ego? What's our accomplishments? Things that actually kind of divide us. But when he uses the word I, he only understands himself to be God's child, son of God. One with God, one with love. God being the Father. And God the Father is not his exclusive God. It's the exact opposite. What he wanted to do was to make God as accessible and available to everyone. That's not the way it was before in Israel, with the chosen people, a certain group. He's like, no. It's your God. It's everybody's God. We're all together. This is why actually we have, that's why he used the bread and he used the wine. Were they the certain sacrificial animals that you had to go and buy at a certain place unblemished and, you know, these qualifications and those qualifications? He used bread and wine because they're universal, because they're common with communion. Common communion. The exact opposite of exclusive. These elements, he used them because they were so common. They were in every home, rich or poor, Unesoteric as you can get on every table. Giving the message symbolically, God is available and God is universal to all. So sometimes he would say, my father, and then he also taught us to say, what? Our father. All of ours. Everyone's God. We're all children of God from the very beginning. We're all connected. As inclusive as you can get. So he only understands himself with this universal identity. And how did he understand God? Very simple, God is what? God is love. That's the unwavering understanding. This is what he pounded away at. This is what he finessed. This is what he, why he, what he created parables about. And most of all, he lived this in a million different ways. God is love. So because God is love, and because Jesus understands himself to be one with God, I and my Father are one, as love incarnate, he uses the term I in that way. Including and incorporating all of these things. I am love, God is love. So when he says, I am the way, he's not all of a sudden being opposite and exclusive. When everywhere else he's being inclusive. But he's saying, love is the way. I 
love and the way. I love and the truth. Love is the way. Love is the truth. Love is the life. Nobody comes to God but by love. And that's not some new age spin. That's as orthodox and as conservative as you can possibly get because it's coming right from him. This is as old as it gets. God is love. Love is the way, the truth, and life. Universal, accessible, open, worldwide. And that is how he wants us to live. And suddenly, you realize that what has been misused and abused by humans for their own purposes for millennia setting ourselves apart and above and exclusive, was actually intended by Jesus instead to draw us together as one. Anyone who loves is of God and knows God. That is the universal Christ. The universal, accessible God. And finally, quickly, just to make sure that this couldn't ever be misconstrued, he then created a parable of the Good Samaritan that you have on the, on the next page. You can read this on your own. Again, it drives home the point that it's not the person who belongs to the right faith group, the priest, or has the right heritage, the Levite, also Jewish. It's not the person who honors God in those ways. It's the Samaritan. The Samaritan isn't even a follower of Jesus, and he's telling the story. Samaritans were farmers. They were understood to be blasphemers, heretics, outsiders, despised by any people of faith. They weren't Jesus people, and they weren't followers of the Jewish God. But it's this complete outsider to any faith by design, according to Jesus, who is the only one who lifts up who acts in love. And this is the one who he told us we should model ourselves after. Wow. Go and do likewise, he says. And so in our world that's so full of divisions and competition, so focused on who's better, who's worse, who's in, who's out, who belongs, who doesn't, it actually comes down to who loves their fellow human beings. And with our world being in the shape that it's in, I actually think that this is our greatest hope for universal salvation. Considering who and what actually helps the human condition the most. Love is the way, the truth, and the life. Let that be our doctrine. Let that be our unity. Let that be our strength. Let that be our action. Amen. And now, nourished by the Word of God, and which we hear in the Bible through the words of Jesus and through the prophet writers, and which we hear today across the world in different voices, from different places, in different languages. Nourished by this word, we come to the table, which is open to all who wish to be fed, who wish to be made new by this new life 
We come to this table not because we must, but because we may. Not because it changes our circumstance, but because it changes us. Because in a particular place, in a particular time, 2,000 years ago, in a city called Jerusalem, under the Roman Empire, in Eurasia, on a little blue marble, floating around in space in the Milky Way, in the big, vast universe, one man told us that we were all welcome at a table, a table which serves grace and love for all. And so today we come to that table, where there is always a seat for us. And with this spirit, <clears throat> with this intention, taking the one loaf, once again reminding us, coming from one, going to the many, and unified again as one. He took the bread, and he gave thanks, and he broke it. And he said, this is my body, which is broken for you. Take this and eat of it. And as often as you do so, remember me. Ministering to you in his name and in his spirit, we offer you this bread.
Let's join together in the bread of life. And may we also remember how after the bread he took the cup and having given thanks, blessed it, gave it to his disciples, and he said, this is my blood of the new covenant which is shed for you and shed for all for the forgiveness of sins. Drink this, all of you, and as often as you drink of it, remember me. Ministering to you in his name and his spirit, we give you this cup.
we share in the cup of forgiveness and new life for all. as we go out from this place into our world, created by God, blessed by God, given to us as a gift to receive, and all of our resources as gifts to share. May we go with God's blessing, God's strength, God's courage, God's healing, now and forevermore, in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen.